dramatic. <laughs> Welcome back, filthy bitches. Welcome back to Unpacked Filth. Are you ready to get spooky with us? Spooky. Yeah. Okay. I'll be. I'll be normal. <laughs> I'm E with the C. I'm E with the K. And I mean, the tone was appropriate because what are we talking about today? Okay. First of all, we're talking about dating hell. Just picture a flashlight under her face. <laughs> the spookiest of all hells. It's... We're not talking about just a- any dating hell, are we? No. Specifically, dating hell with nice guys. Ugh. It's like... Actually, you know, I want to make a Dante's Inferno reference, but What'd I What do you don't... know about Dante? I mean, I know there's seven levels of hell, but I don't know which one's the worst. I'm guessing the seventh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. the worst level of hell is nice guy syndrome. Yes. Uh, actually, like median. Mm, maybe like, so. Mid- mid-level. It's like the middle management of hell. They have the can I speak to your manager haircut? They sure do. And I love my coupon in the car. No way. Energy. And the coupon that you're supposed to be able to like have at the cash register. Because yep. they forgot their coupon. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of energy nice guys are bringing to the dating game. <laughs> like level nine Karen. <laughs> level nine Karen. You love it. Oh God. Like Kate from John plus eight. That's the kind of nice guy we're talking about. Mm, I gotcha. <laughs> I painted quite a picture. You did. I used to love that show. Um, but actually I do want to say for the filthies that we're going to touch lightly on a, on a few different subjects that, um, we feel warrant a trigger warning. So if you are a little sensitive about rape culture, um, and like emotional abuse type situations, then maybe you should skip this episode or skip to the end because we're going to, um, wrap it up nicely. Yes. So, um, we just we, wanted to let you guys know. Yes, we love you and care about you. Exactly. And why we triggered more during a pandemic and during literally the worst year ever. Yeah, seriously. Absolutely. So, nice guys. Yes. Can, Can you s- tell us what nice guys are? All right. So, basically, nice guy syndrome, men who are motivated by the moral desert of women. Mm-hmm. Um, they're secretly narcissists. And they have a level of arrogance that they like to play off as, um, as like they're just like being a nice guy and like mm-hmm. being gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And they feel like those acts and deeds warrant some type of praise from women um, that often results in either dating or sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I hear nice guy syndrome, and I'll talk more about this person later on in the episode, mm-hmm. but I think of Elliot Rogers. He was a spree killer in 2014, killed um, women in UCLA, Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and he uploaded a manifesto in between his sprees, basically being like, oh, women don't want me. Like, I tried to get women and they want nothing to do with me. And he, like, whined about being a virgin the entire time. Like, women were just owed to him. And he's like, I'm the supreme gentleman. Mm. I don't understand what you want. And people who talked about Lady Rogers, they're like, he wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't do anything. And he thought just because he, like, had nice clothes, had a nice car, came from, like, a wealthy family... That he deserved, like, mostly sex. But I felt like he might have also felt like he deserved a relationship. 
So I think of a more extreme version of nice guy when I hear like nice guy syndrome. Mm. I feel like nice guys are particularly something that kind of sneak up on you. When you're getting to know people, like you do the the minimum of you know, introducing yourself, telling them about yourself, and then proceeding to like become friends with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see dating at least. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this nice guy syndrome can creep up on you because like, okay, you've like I've gone on a date <laughs> and then I've told you about the date and you're like, Well, how are they? And I'm like, Well, they seem nice. You know, they seem okay. Like I think we might have something. They have a nice personality. Um but the more insidious thing about nice guys is that they kind of draw you in and it's that one instant where it they got they flip it on you. Do you feel that? I do feel that. Mhm. Let's take a quick detour. So why exactly did we feel the need to talk about this? Like why when we were coming up with topics was this the one we felt we needed to share? Um I feel like in my adult life I've encountered a lot of nice guys especially being um single for the majority of my 20s <laughs> it's a good time to be single it is a time to be single I just think it's funny but um and for me I'm always engaging in some type of conversation on be it online or in person and so what I'm finding is I'm a part of a lot of these online groups where we're talking about dating and relationships and I'm encountering a lot of these guys who um, are quote unquote nice guys. They feel like they do everything right. And then they have this like visceral response to women that assert their own opinion or autonomy or, or things that don't necessarily line up with their views. And essentially when you're engaging with these people and talking to them, um, instead of like having a conversation, they take on this like demeaning tone of just like, well, you're just lacking accountability. And like one of the things that also triggered this episode is I have a friend, quote unquote, and I kind of talked about it in one episode where he felt like I was making him suffer for um, a negative experience I had with a guy who I was dating. And he kind of threw it in my face as to why I wouldn't like give him a chance. And the reality of the situation, if we're going to keep it a buck, is like I did consider giving him a chance to date, but I just felt like we weren't compatible. Like I'm very free spirited. He was very like rigid. Mm-hmm. And so when he did that, it, I he was my friend. So I was taken aback by it. And I was like, wow, I thought you were like nice, you know, quote unquote, nice guy. And, you know, you could use something that I intimately told you. And kind of throw it back at me. And so, like, you might chalk that up to, like, well, he was just kind of shitty in that moment. But, like, in talking to him even further back then, and he's a little bit different now. I think he's had some growth elements that um, he's kind of changed. But in talking to him back then, I, I he exuded a lot of this, like, nice guy, like, entitled to some type of attention just because you know, he was nice to me or like did all the things that you're supposed to do as a human being. Right. Mm -hmm. What about you? So for me, when you around the idea of like nice guys, like I said, I tend to think more of the extreme of the incels, the men who are like, well, we're um, involuntarily celibate because women don't want to give us a chance because they only go for like quote unquote alpha males and they won't go for someone like me who's like not a jock but i'm just i'm a gentleman i 
open the door, I do these grand gestures. So I'm very interested in diving into the psychology of these people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the nice guy syndrome is just incel light. And I don't think it's taken seriously as a potential threat of violence to women. Because nice guy, like, they don't see women as actual people. They see them as objects to be won or to, like, be disposed of at their whims. Like you said, they're narcissists. They're, the whole relationship revolves around them and the tasks that they do. So I feel like we're... We're encountering nice guys and fuckboys in our relationships when really they're two sides of the same quesadilla. And we insist on separating them when really... We're just hungry. We're hungry and we should be like treating them as the same type of poisonous quesadilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like these nice guys also have this air of like they have women figured out. And they've like experienced all these emotional traumas in count- engaging with women... And they kind of, um, they kind of assert their opinion on all women or they feel like um, they can kind of put you in a box or a pattern. Like they're like, you're doing this because blah, 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 blah. Oh, like they're the final authority on what women think and act like. Exactly. And, you know, there is some, I mean, we all have experiences and we all have our own truth. But at the end of the day, like I think blanket statements about men and women are detrimental and in this case we're talking about nice guys so when we're unpacking all this I feel like this hints to the idea of like feeding into the patriarchy which we'll get into in a little bit but um I feel like nice guy syndrome is so dangerous and it almost like makes you question if you have good judgment (laughs) right yeah because that is another insidious point of a nice guy mm-hmm. is technically they're doing all the right things and they are technically treating you well. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with a nice guy, you can kind of tell like, oh, you're just doing these things because you think it's how you get from point A to point B. You're following a script that you have in your head you're checking off the boxes you have in your head Mm -hmm. and you think that equals like the ultimate prize of whatever like a guaranteed relationship where i'm like in submission to you or a sexual encounter of some sort and it doesn't take into consideration like what the other person might be feeling it doesn't take into consideration anything else except like oh i've like marked off my checklist yeah and also in saying that with your with the checklist analogy, um, say that I was treading lightly with this new guy that I was kind of talking to and trying to date. And I had come off this relationship that, you know, pretty much, I'm not going to say uh, damaged me. Like it definitely like hurt me and I was in a bad place for a while. But say like that was the case where like I was treading lightly. I feel that these nice guys want to police how we interact with men, subsequently them. And they don't give us, they don't take into the consideration that that's where we're at in that present moment. You know what I mean? And so like we're treated less as as people and more like you said, as like something to try to, something that men are trying to like figure out. Like we're like a science experiment for them. Or 
I would even put it this way. It sounds like we're props in their personal movie. Ew. Like a bad Lifetime movie? Like a bad Lifetime movie or like scenery that they can swap in and out of. Mm -hmm. Like someone just needs to be like the square peg that fits in that square hole. Mm. And it doesn't really matter about like actual personality or actual chemistry. It's just does this person... Because like I said, like it kind of feels like they want someone to submit to them. Because why else would you like go through a series of tasks... Mm-hmm. If you wanted to be with an actual person. Yeah. If you want to be with someone that you, like, see as a quote-unquote prize, then, yeah, like, you can just put anyone in there without any consideration of what you actually want or what kind of um, emotional traumas or personality the other person brings to the table. Yeah. And I think, like, because sex is on the table with these romantic relationships, it's like we were talking about earlier, um, you know, off-pod <laughs> it was well I was making the analogy of when you first meet somebody and you're getting to know them you're becoming friends with them and so like I used the example of even our relationship like our relationship as friends have ebbed and flowed and changed and progressed and like we've opened up a sense of our vulnerability and so I feel like these nice guys who aren't understanding why women don't want to fuck them immediately <laughs> and like you know whatever I feel like they're missing the point of like, this is a progression and maybe she's not feeling you right now or maybe she's not in that space of where she wants to be in a a relationship. Leave her alone. Like you're not going to go up to a friend in the sandbox and be like, why don't you want to be my friend? Why don't you like Mm me? I mean, you do that when you're a kid. Yeah. But when you're an adult, you're just like, okay, like they just like, don't fuck with me like that. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't take it so personal. But I think when sex is like, in the mix they're just like i'm not fucking getting laid and these bitches don't want to suck my dick and i'm just like what like here's a pocket pussy (laughs) you don't really have to do anything for that except lube it up and pay for it listen i have three vibrators and they all serve a different purpose exactly and i feel like these guys like i feel like i'm a nice girl and when i'm just not getting laid i'm like well there porn goes is right there. The porn, we had a whole porn episode. Like, I have a catalog. Like, I can keep busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can keep stimulated. And these guys are just like, if I got to whack my dick one more time, like, I can't do it. If I have to look at another attractive one without sticking it in something, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you, there's a couch right there. If I have to sit and get to know her and she still doesn't give me the puss. What the fuck? I listened to her whole thing about how many siblings she has. Mm-hmm. And I just could care less. Yeah. I even asked her her middle name. I don't fucking remember that shit. <laughs> I think it starts with the letter of the alphabet. I don't know. I don't it, care. I mean, it could be Nicole, Lynn. I don't know. Don't care. <laughs> and so, Filthies, when we're talking about this episode about nice guys and how like all of this is compounded into abuse and and, you know, emotional manipulation i want you guys to sit back and think about and in your own experiences like what these nice guys have kind of changed in terms of your perspective because for me i've had a serious shift in perspective in how i date and how i move like i think up here dating in boston um there's a lot more variety there's a lot different types of guys out here and for me i think like treading very carefully with like how I proceed in the conversation and 
you know, I feel like I'm policing myself sometimes when I'm getting to know these guys. Like, what are my boundaries and how far I'm willing to, like, um, invest in these guys? Because I'm like, okay, they might flip the script on me. I don't know. Might call me a fucking bitch. Because <laughs> I don't want to suck their dick that night. <laughs> I mean, that's the risk you might have to take. Yeah. So um, let's take a break and we'll be right back. oh so we're going with that tone again yeah (laughs) it's a good intro (laughs) because we're in hell i mean we are in hell this is the bad place this is the bad place welcome back to the bad place yes filthies so in this next part we're going to unpack the question are nice guys created or are they molded by society Mm. now listen if you're like a psychology person like we always go into this thing about like it, it's both it has to be both but i mean it can but we all we me and e with a c each have our own thoughts on it mm-hmm. okay so i want to talk about nice guys and how they stem from this relationship trauma that not a lot of guys get to talk about and I also want to talk about um, how they negate the trauma of other people that they choose to date. <laughs> okay? Hmm. Yeah. All right? Take us on that walk. All right. Let's walk with us, okay? So I knew this guy <laughs> at my job that I used to have. And good-looking guy, like traditionally good-looking. Eh, yeah. He was cute. Come on. <laughs> Even I can admit it. He's cute. He just reminded me of my uncle. Whatever. Okay. Like, you know, objectively, he was good looking. All right. Um, and I can honestly say that this person was very smart. Like, kind of like had a good balance of street smarts and, um, you know, traditional book smarts, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he just always treated his girlfriend like shit. <laughs> and... You know, he would be nice to me, and I think we had a very good um, work relationship, and I don't, like, we're not friends, like, now, personally, but I think, like, you know, he treated me with respect, and so I asked him one day, um, I said, dude, why do you, you treat your girlfriend like shit, and, like, you're relatively, like, you know, a smart, good-looking guy, like, what is the deal, like, why can't you just be, like, an actual good dude? So this guy that I'm describing is like your traditional fuckboy. And he said to me, he was like, well, some girl hurt me a long time ago. <laughs> Essentially, is what he said. He was like, some girl broke his heart. And he just was like, I might as well just be an asshole and do what I want. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know. I see your face. That's, I wish the filthies could see my face because that's not a good reason. They're probably making the same face because it's really asinine and stupid. Mm-hmm. But like what he was really saying in that moment to me was that he experienced some type of trauma where he put his heart on the line and his feelings were not reciprocated by this girl that he liked. Now, people get heartbroken all the time. And so I feel like this relationship trauma that they... um they have nice guys included is somehow creating these guys that are jaded it's kind of like the inverse of the of the woman who's like jaded and like they don't trust men and like whatever that whole trope 
I think we collectively said that women constantly are in this society where we're constantly thinking about our feelings and emotions and checking in with ourselves. And when we experience some type of trauma, like we mull over it, like we feel it, like we really like get into it. And I, and I know I'm talking in terms of binary. So for those of you who like relate and you're not um, a man or you relate and you're not a woman, like just bear with me. We're just talking like bare bones. Um, like people who identify as women can sometimes conceptualize like always being told that we need to think about our feelings and process our trauma. And I feel like guys, they don't get to do that. Right. You know? And so the hurt nice guys are the, are the guys that, um, the hurt nice guys are the ones that kind of feel like the world owes them something or they like, they don't care about the person on the other side of the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get to know people and put yourself out there. So when we're talking about men who have experienced some type of relationship trauma, um, being my friend who I worked with for a while, he had an experience that was negative and it negatively impacted him. Like it, it hurt his ego, it hurt his pride, it hurt his self-esteem. And so with these nice guys, they almost overcompensate by being like, overly nice and they're like checking off the boxes in their head and they're like okay I'm going to compliment her ask her about her life um what else do nice guys do (laughs) they take you on a date they pay they always text you first they text you first they do all the things and and they move like really fast yeah and so the one thing that we were talking, I'm glad you brought that up because they move so fast and it's like that, that building of their relationship isn't fast enough for them or doesn't progress fast enough. And so since we add sex into the mix, they're like, when am I going to get my dick sucked? It's all about the dick sucking, everyone. Yeah, literally. I mean, I haven't had my dick sucked ever, but... Like, it's probably is amazing. It's probably great. Like, I've had my clit sucked, and I can only imagine, like, the inverse for dudes. Whoa. All that, like, surface area. This, I mean, guys, I don't know. You, and you can go up and down, like, or as opposed to, like, we're getting off on a tangent about eating pussy versus sucking dick, but, like, <laughs> I understand, I mean, is what I'm saying. Like, I understand the hype. Okay, so... In that regard, so I feel like these nice guys are doing these things in order to get the the person, mm-hmm. right? And they're not taking into consideration that they're doing all these things and the person has to then process what they're doing and like how that makes them feel. And is there an organic chemistry happening when you're getting to know this quote unquote nice guy who's courting this other person i don't think so because one i think the nice guy is a facade to hide like whatever darkness they have going on like the normal front that they present is the darkness itself and two if you're like trying to get to the end result so quickly without really getting to know the person if you're just like i want a relationship or i want sexual like i want intercourse or i want my dick set like you don't really like need to get to know the person Mm -hmm. And you don't, like, really have to establish an actual, like, 
I mean, vibes are like kind of organic to begin with, but you don't have to establish any of that. You don't have to establish like any chemistry. You don't have to rely on any of that if you're just like focused on the end goal. If you're focused at the end of the race, you don't have to worry about all the training that goes into it. Yeah, but what if the end of the race is a relationship? Because a lot of the, the nice guys, they want the relationship or whatever to progress into something serious. I mean, they didn't train for it, though. They're not training for an actual relationship. They're just wanting the end goal without any work put in. Yeah. And the question I would like to ask them, or that I do ask them sometimes in my groups, is like, well, what did you like about the girl? What are their answers? So a lot of them, when I ask them such questions or like when they say things like, well, women just don't know what they want. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they get that like, what do you call it? Patronizing and paternalistic tone. Yeah, that they're just like, well, they just don't know what they want. And they like and they vilify like the alpha male. So the jocks and they're just like, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever they have to say about the guys that they're they're not. Right. (laughs) And they usually say something along the lines of, well, um, it seemed like we would have had a good time together. You know, like very vague answers Mm -hmm. to something like, well, if you're really getting to know this person and it's like I was saying with with old dude, PB&J, like I was getting to know him and I knew him at a certain level, but for me... I came to realize very quickly that I was very spontaneous and fun-loving and he was very rigid and structured and he was just like, well, we're going to go to, um, you know, whatever trips that we're going on and he wants, like, a set, like, mm-hmm. thing that we're going to do. Like, he wants to know exactly. <laughs> he wants an itinerary. He wants an itinerary. And yeah. I don't, you know me, like, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> So then that, like, makes me question, well, what about it made it seem like you would have had a good time? Mm -hmm. What, like, conversations were had before then? And if they can't give anything but vague answers, again, like, you could just plug in anyone into that equation if you're just looking for the end result of, I want to be with a person. Like, I want someone to spend their life with, spend my life with. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to spend their life with somebody mm-hmm. everybody's looking for compassion or companionship, companionship. Mm-hmm. and everyone's looking for compassion to an extent but mm-hmm. if that's all you're looking for and you're not really taking into consideration like what exactly will fulfill your needs and mm-hmm. fulfill your wants yeah then one you have nothing to add to the conversation and two you are probably a nice guy just looking for a woman to serve your needs and not really giving any consideration to what she wants. But Erica, I do consider what she wants. I took her out. To what? Applebee's? <laughs> Cheddar Bay Biscuits, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> no. And the other part that I was going to say is like when women are dating and they're seriously dating, not just like, um, like fucking around like how we do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like... We're, in considering having sex with you, we're doing micro-calculations in our head. Do I want this person inside of me? Can you expand on that point? So, sex for certain people, usually um, people who identify as women, a lot of the time we have a little bit of a physical connection to sex that is different from a man. 
like, have you ever been having sex with somebody and you're just like, I mean, this is cool, but it's not mind blowing. We're going back to the a sexual confidence episode. Yes. Okay. I've had a lot of those. Yeah. And so when we're getting to know these guys that we're dating seriously, like I said, and not just fucking around, like we don't want somebody who like does not stimulate us not only mentally but like physically as well like if someone's going to be inside of me like literally like making love to me if that's what we're going to do down the line like i don't think that women i don't think that women just magically come up with this like i feel i believe that we are like instinctual and there's like these micro calculations that we make as animals because we're people but we're also mammals or whatever Mm -hmm. like these are things that we kind of calculate on a micro level and we're just like okay do I want to mate with this person like can I have my babies with this person and we do that not in in a romantic way but just as a as a way of like I don't know procreating the species and sometimes like and people don't want to hear that because because I mean I guess that's too like creation or it's very primal. Yeah, it's primal. I think another part of it is like people want to believe that they're so evolved and right. separated from animals that like, no, possibly couldn't be it. Like we have intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the thing that separates like people from animals when we talk about it in psychology is like our ability to like metacognitively think. So like. And our thumbs. Yeah. And our thumbs, like our anatomical thumbs. Is yes. that what it is? Um, but yeah, like the idea of, of we can think about these things and kind of circle, circle it in our heads so quickly and we don't even know that we're doing it. And so it's getting a little deep only because like, I feel like these nice guys just don't take into account like women, like on a primal level might not want you inside of them (laughs) basically. Yeah. Maybe you smell bad. Maybe you smell bad. Maybe it's your pheromones out of your jib. I don't know. I don't know. Like, sexual attraction can't really be explained. Yeah, and so... I mean, scientifically, it can be explained, <laughs> but person to person, it can't really be explained. Yeah, and so I feel like these nice guys, bringing it back to relationship trauma, like that air of rejection, it doesn't get processed in the same way that women process rejection. Mm-hmm. Only because, like, I feel like guys operate on this sense of ego um, if they get rejected for the first time. And, yeah, women have that, too. Like, my pride gets a little hurt when someone rejects me. Because then I started thinking about, like, when when people talk about nice girls. Mm. And are nice girls insidious in the same way as nice guys? Um, maybe even more so, but I don't know if you want to really dig into that. Well, I was going to say no. Oh, I think even more so because women are expected to be nice and women are expected to like be more demure and to cook and to clean and all this stuff. Well, malleable, so, more malleable. Like yeah. we're supposed to adapt to whatever. Yeah. So we're expected to do all that to begin with. So there's already that perception of this is what you do. Mm-hmm. So, but if women are experiencing the same like amount of venom 
and angst and they can like move about a certain way then I mean men aren't really going to see that coming because they're already blending in with like everyday women Mm. and what their expectations of women are interesting nice guys are created through relationship trauma and how they process that relationship trauma Mm -hmm. I'm coming from the point of view that we live in a patriarchal society that like dictates our pop culture Mm -hmm. and that's what molds these nice guys because if you look at a lot of rom-coms the woman is mostly passive and things happen to her Mm -hmm. and men are doing these grand gestures like interrupting weddings or abandoning their own like bride to be like i'm thinking the wedding planner now like he abandoned his bride to be to win over jennifer lopez's character or like in the graduate a wedding was interrupted you know that kind of thing like these grand gestures that like oh great you disrupted my whole life or like you bought a plane ticket for me to like live with you in seattle things that like when real people do them you have to think about all the consequences of it right so i think like movies show like all right so you see the girl you figure out what she wants you do those things and you do one big grand gesture and she'll be yours forever with no like idea of how it's going to work out later or what that says about you as a person Mm -hmm. that you do these grand gestures without any regard to what's going on in her life Mm -hmm. so i think that like trickles down into these nice guys like we keep saying like there's a checklist there's a list of things for you to do and then you get this prop that could be in your life and we you know i'm obsessed with also true crime and pop culture and I feel like we see these serial and spree killers who target women as the ultimate dark side of what our pop culture tells men. Like, if we go back to the 1970s, there was Son of Sam who targeted women because he felt rejected and abandoned by women. He's like, no woman really wants me. So he would just like, it looked random, but really he was shooting at women that he felt rejected by. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned earlier... There's Elliot Rogers, the spree killer in 2014, who this manifesto is still on YouTube. He created a whole like manifesto. He also wrote it down and sent it to his two therapists about like how he was a virgin, women didn't want him, and he was the quote unquote supreme gentleman. And he took it out on women in like what he called the hottest sorority out in Isla Vista. And what's really fucked up is Elliot Rogers is now a martyr to these incel men, the extreme versions of the nice guys. These are people who view sex as a basic human right for all men. And now in the social media age, where not only are we getting like the pop culture and the movies and everything at a faster speed, these messages are traveling at a faster speed and they're acting as a catalyst for violence against women so when i say like nice guy syndrome is incel light and we should take it seriously as a threat against women this is what i'm talking about because they feed into each other and they like lay this breeding ground of more extreme steps that could be taken against someone that you feel slighted against that was brilliant thank you just gotta tell you thank you i mean it's so true i mean 
you did something so perfect and I have to bring it back because you said something so interesting that I want to bring it back to a more recent thing. I've got to talk about Cardi B and Offset. Oh, yes. Because, like, listen to me. I feel like, remember when they broke up publicly for the first time and he did that grand gesture and interrupted, like, her moment. I can't remember exactly what she did. I can't remember either. It was, like, something on stage. It might have been a concert. It was, like, a concert or something. And he, like... First of all, these fuckboys and nice guys are, like you said, the same coin of the different, or the same quesadilla. (laughs) Two sides of the same quesadilla. Two sides of the same quesadilla. And he, like, interrupted, like, her life after he made these decisions that ultimately, like, ended their relationship. And, like, I feel like these fuckboys make these decisions that cause women to, like, you know... They just don't fuck with it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then they have to inject themselves into their lives or have this visceral re- reaction and be like, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I'm just like, I have made my decision. And I feel like these men want to control like our decision making power almost. Is that a stretch? No, that's not a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, like they broke up again and he kind of like tried to do the same grand gesture thing again mm-hmm. with the Birkin bags and like the billboards. And when I see that, I automatically think of love bombing. Love bombing is something that abusers do. It's like after they've done the abuse, they like shower gifts onto you, say, oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'll never do it again. That mm-hmm. type of thing. So I think nicer, like nice guys do that on a lesser extent because they're not... They're not, like, physically abusing you. But the fact that we're, like, well, there's it's not physical abuse. You, they're just, like, putting you through emotional gaslighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still, like, trying to mix up your feelings mm-hmm. and make you think you're crazy with all these gifts and everything. And not every nice guy will, like, enact physical violence against you. Yeah, But nice guy not. syndrome is a gateway drug to emotional gaslighting and domestic violence. And... I think with Cardi B and Offset, just from the outside looking in, because I'm not in their relationship, yeah. I don't know what's going on. But just, He could like, be normal. It could be totally normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But outside looking in, it looks like he has made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, he cheated on her, and she's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm over this relationship. We're moving on. We'll like figure out a way to co-parent. Da, 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 da. And he's like showering her with gifts, like kind of love-bombing her say it like trying to slide up in her comments and it kind of feels like a path to making her feel like she's crazy for saying this relationship is over yeah and even like if she if they if he didn't cheat on her for example like what if because when I when I heard her talk about their relationship in in the Instagram live and she was just like I was just tired of like fighting all the time and like I feel like they were just in the natural progression of relationships. Like you have that ebb and flow. And so maybe it was something that they couldn't like work past. And she was trying to like move on for that. And and I feel like he kept like bringing her back. And it's just like these nice guys like making you like question your intuition and your feelings. Like I don't want to do this because whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, wait, like. I'm I'm a nice guy. I'm like perfect for you. But whatever it is. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah, no. I think nice guys are insidious in the way 
that they make you doubt your own feelings and your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because they are, like, focused on their end goal mm-hmm. without any real consideration to the other person, the taxes that they use make it... And it's so normalized, like I said, by pop culture and by movies and everything, mm-hmm. that it makes it seem like, well, this is what's supposed to happen. This is... The way that men get to women. This is the way relationships are supposed to go. But you never see what happens after the movie. Everything just wraps up either very ambiguously mm-hmm. or has, like, a bow on it. Right. And you don't have to see, like, the fallout afterwards. That's true. Um, because in my point about, like, relationship trauma, it's like these men... Like I said, they don't process their emotions in the same way that women have to. Like, we're forced to constantly think about this stuff. And so I feel like these these um, reactions to women not wanting them is so, like, explosive or dynamic or, like, in a way that, like, causes further harm because that's that's their that's what men are taught to do in the patriarchy. Okay, everyone. So we also wanted to um, answer our first listener question. Ooh, and I'm excited because I, like you, I enjoy interacting with our listeners. So mm-hmm. if again, if you have any other questions, please send them to unpackfilth at gmail.com. This question is, what are your views and opinions on dating, hooking up with bisexual people, especially bisexual men? How would you advise someone who is bisexual to navigate dating someone of the opposite gender as them given biphobia and bi erasure? So. Mm-hmm. I actually am bisexual. Like, I'm mm, halfway open about that with um, in my life. Okay. But very open with it with people I date. Right. So... I definitely don't have a problem with hooking up with bisexual people or bisexual men. I know there's a stigma against bisexual men. We still don't see it as valid. But for me, I'm like, fuck who you want to fuck. Lust who you want to lust after. But if I'm dating a person seriously and monogamously, then I think it's kind of off the table. Like, I understand you're attracted to who you're attracted to. But... We are in a committed relationship, so we should be working on that relationship together. So you're talking about, like, them and, like, what do you mean? So, if I'm in a relationship with a bisexual man or a bisexual woman, there's a stereotype of bisexual people, like, they're greedy or they're, like, they have no impulse control and they, like, fuck whoever they want to fuck, like, Mm -hmm. but if we're in a committed relationship, like, for me, those stereotypes don't come into play. Right. Because as far as I'm concerned, me and you are working on our relationship together, not me, you, and, like, whatever stereotypes are in play. Gotcha. I understand. So, with me, I am open to dating pretty much people who are into me, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of dating bisexual men, I think there's a stigma that people kind of have to get over. Like, it's not a you problem if you're bisexual or whatever you identify as like Mm -hmm. that's a them problem Mm -hmm. um it takes someone to pretty much have confidence in themselves that like they 
themselves have something to bring to the table and they shouldn't be intimidated if someone is bisexual. You know what I mean? Right. Because I think like the the stigma around that is just like, well, maybe I'm not enough for this person because they have, they are interested in things that you may not possess or, you know, like attributes, not in terms of like genitalia. Right. To be clear. Like I said, there is a, um, there's that stereotype or stigma that bisexual people are greedy. It's like, ugh, you can't just be satisfied with one. You have to have both. And it's like, I mean, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. Right. I knew I was bisexual when I saw Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls. And I was like, ugh, I like girls. And I <laughs> definitely like her tits. <laughs> and Proud of you. It, it didn't mean, like, I was any less greedy. If anything, like, it just meant, like, I was open to whoever. Yeah, so I'm open to dating a bisexual man. Um, obviously, if he wants to date me, then he's obviously into me. And that's enough for me to, mm-hmm. you know, if I like him back, then I will do that. Yeah, if we want to move on further mm-hmm. to potentially threesomes or swinging or whatever, then that is a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a bisexual-only conversation. Exactly. That's a how do we proceed forward in a more open or more adventurous sexual relationship. Yeah, because the person who answered, or not answered, but um, posed the question, you kind of have to think about it this way. Like, straight men ask women for threesomes all the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, like, in that capacity, it's almost like putting the stigma on yourself that, like, maybe they want more in the relationship. And I think that when you're dating bisexual people, like you have to get that out of your mind. Like they are just regular people trying to date. And if they're poly, then they're poly. That's separate. Like being bisexual and poly are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're not like, they're not mutually exclusive, but they're also like not tied together either. Exactly. So that comes with a lot of education. So feel free to um, hit on me, any bisexual men. (laughs) I'm cool with it. Like, it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Especially if you're, like, my type. Like, if you're my type, like, I'm gonna fuck you and date you and love you. All right, well, what about the second part? How would you advise someone who is bisexual to navigate dating someone of the opposite gender as them, given by phobia and bi erasure? And personally, I deal more with bi erasure because I present heterosexual. Like, most of my romantic relationships have been with men. Mm -hmm. And... I have to remind people that I'm with that I'm bisexual. Mm-hmm. And consequently, I then have to deal with fetish- fetishization of, oh, that means like girl on girl action, like whenever. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. technically, I'm with you. Yeah. Also, I am terrible at flirting with people because usually I'm just like, so sex, huh? We're going to do it. <laughs> that has nothing to do with me being bisexual. That just means, like, I cannot flirt with people. Yeah, that's who you are. That's like, who I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, well, one of the things I started, an- or not answering, I cannot get it together today, guys, but one of the things I started asking people and when I start dating them is how they feel about LGBT things, like topics, people, etc. Not just, like, their rights, but, like, how do you navigate and interact with them? Um, that to me is important because one, it's a, it's their level of, and I don't want to say tolerance, but it's their level of like understanding of like a community of people. So if you're like an ignorant dickhead, like I'm not going to want to date you. 
You know what I'm saying? So even if you are um, bisexual, to me, like, I would expect that same questioning. Like, I want someone to vet me almost. Like, they, I want someone to be open and honest about where they stand on, you know, bisexuality and things like that. And therefore, I can, like, open up that conversation. Mm-hmm. So just be upfront about it. I feel like it's one of those things that you should bring up, like, within the first couple of conversations. If you feel safe. I mean, I suppose, but... I mean, it really depends. It really depends on, like, the relationship. And it depends on how it comes up. Like, if someone's pressuring you to, like, know what your sexual orientation is, then... Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like that okay. person isn't safe to be around and to be, like, to disclose that information around. Mm. But I'm also, like, not telling people up front, well, I'm bisexual, like... Because I feel, for the most part, it's none of their business, and it's not really going to come into play. That's interesting. But, like, from a bisexual male's perspective, there's a stigma where women, like, it's the whole, like, well, are you on the DL? Like, are you gay? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so, like, I think to open up that conversation early so people can, like, have a transparent understanding if you're, you know, a male... I think that might be important to some people. So I don't know. Like, but I'm not bisexual. I don't really identify as that. So maybe you, you know, I mean, there is a part as um, being a bisexual woman. Like, it's almost kind of a given. Mm-hmm. And I went to an all women's college. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of a given that I've like experimented with women and it's not really seen as something that's stigmatized. Right. It's kind of, it's just seen as hot. Yeah. And so, and for men, it's seen as like, something bad Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I think that you know in part when you I feel like for me like as someone who's like cis heterosexual um mostly (laughs) um I feel like when you interact with those people if you're a guy listening to this who's bisexual I think the more open you are the more like the person that you're dating if they don't understand they can have an opportunity to understand you you know what I mean? And like, like I said earlier in the episode, like the onus isn't necessarily on you. It's on them to like, whatever they do is like what you do. Like you present them with information, they process it and deal with it in the way that they're going to. Right. You cannot control other people's reaction to you. You can only control like what you feel in your reaction to them. I think in terms of bi erasure and biophobia, if you're, if the person you're dating is continuing to, um, ignore your bisexual identity or like dismiss it Mm -hmm. then this is probably not a good person to be in a relationship with because yeah it's kind of like the same thing with lgbt rights like if you are just tolerating people or if you show outright bigotry towards them right you're probably going to show outright bigotry to other groups of people too so if you are with someone who's dismissive of that part of your identity there are probably other parts of your identity they'll be dismissive of as well yeah and not to take away from your question person who answered to to pose this question it's just like when we talk about racial issues and you're that like one black friend they're like well you're different you know what i mean and you never want that especially in your relationship side of it Mm -hmm. like if if a person is not there yet then you got to leave them where they kind of are you can only you know present yourself and be who you are and don't be afraid to do that either yeah uh there's something a jailbird used to say to me and i think it kind of applies here like 
if you don't get right, then you just get left. <laughs> Jailbird said that? Yeah. <laughs> he gets cooler and cooler every oh, time we talk no. about him. <laughs> he was still a piece of shit. I mean... At this point, I feel like piece of shit is a stretch. Like, he had, you know, he had some character flaws, but like, he was hidden. <laughs> you get right. Like, what do you say? <laughs> All right. If you don't get right, then you get left. Word. That is a word. So, thank you for um, your question. <laughs> I think we discussed it at length. Did we discuss all of it? I feel like I hit all the points I wanted to hit. If there's anything that you feel like we didn't answer, feel free to answer or to email another question. Mm-hmm. We'll answer those. If you want your question answered by us, email us. Unpackfilth at gmail.com. Dun, 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 dun. This is Halloween. This is dating hell. Don't open the door cause the fuck boy is around the corner. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Slam the door in his face. Oh my god. Punch that nice guy in the dick. <laughs> Taking a turn. This is encouraging a lot. Listen, gotta get hype on Halloween. Because we don't know. We might be in our house drinking wine. I mean, I think that's absolutely what we'll do. Because we're still in a fucking pandemic. Oh my god. Yeah. We're still in a pandemic. In case y'all were just forgetting. Just forgetting that the numbers are rising. And, you know, <laughs> grandma's gonna die, apparently. Yeah. Oh yeah, my mom was telling me that we should probably stock up on toilet paper again. Because, like, the... What is it? The... The hoarding is kind of picking up because they're anticipating the third wave. Oh, shit. Yeah, so make sure you get your toilet paper. You can't hoard. So what you need to do is go go to the store like twice a week mm-hmm. and get like a roll of toilet paper because they probably won't let you buy more than one. Got it. Mm-hmm. Filthy fam, you still with us? Still with us? Get a plan. Get your toilet paper in order because... Literally. Because uh, I ain't running out. Not like that. Amazon like will not be... Mm. yeah well okay real quick segue though um i probably told you this but we tried to play a trick on my roommate by saying that we ran out of toilet paper in the um first shelter in place Mm -hmm. and i was like well i guess we just gotta get socks so like i went to the sock um well you know where the male socks were and i was like well we can't get white so let's get these black socks and then my roommate was just like you can't be serious and i was like we don't have any toilet paper. Well, we did secretly. We had oh we had two God. things. And I was trying to get her to like freak out, but you know what she said? She's like, I didn't believe you guys. But in the back of my mind, I was like, what if they're really serious? And she was like, I was just so disappointed. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, if I gotta use socks, I gotta use socks. <laughs> Bidets. I'm a bidet believer. Yeah. Or a shower head. Or a shower head. There you go. Just rinse that bad boy. Yep. That's all a bidet <laughs> is. so fucked up. That's all a bidet is. Anyways. Speaking of distressing moments in our life, let's talk about the patriarchy. The patriarchy! The shit that just keeps on giving. Listen. Okay. The patriarchy. A lot of nice guy men 
And fuckboys don't believe in the patriarchy. They do not. They're like, what are you complaining about? You can vote. Or mm-hmm. whatever shit. Like, what are you complaining about? I treat you equally. <laughs> or it used to be much worse for you. Like, oh, okay. You know who says the same shit? White people. White people. So if you At least you're not slaves anymore. What? That's... Listen, if you're a black guy participating in, like, you know, the faux taps. <laughs> oh, yes. And for those of you who don't know what a faux tap is, it's a fuckboy hotep. Yeah. So, the faux taps um, pretty much, like, perpetuate both the patriarchy and white supremacy. Because <sighs> they want to replace it with black supremacy. <laughs> or black, what is it? Black male patriarchy yeah that sounds like terry cruz so google says (laughs) that the patriarchy is a system of society or government in which the father or the eldest male is the head of the family and is um descent is traced through the male line now that sounds all well and good and that's an anthropological stance but we're talking about patriarchy for all you guys who are confused at what the fuck we're talking about we're talking about the patriarchy is when men hold the power and women are largely excluded and when we were talking about in the show notes we were talking about how the male perspective and the male opinion pretty much is like the end-all be-all and what we're supposed to follow as a people. It's the default. The default. Kind of so, like... <laughs> well, I'm thinking like drawing parallels to like white supremacy and everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, like when you turn on any given TV show mm-hmm. and it's just expected that the protagonist is a white person mm-hmm. and it's groundbreaking when it's like a black person. Right. Or even just a Latinx person that kind of has a tan. It's similarly groundbreaking when the protagonist is a woman. Yeah. It's like, let's do a show about the president, but she's a lady. And it's like, <gasps> groundbreaking. And I'm like, this is like bare minimum shit. This, mm-hmm. Like, people are like, oh, you're pandering it. Sometimes it feels like, yeah, you're kind of just pandering by like plugging in things that you think are going to appease like this diversity quota that you have like give us some actual complex storylines but i digress like patriarchy and white supremacy see like these things as default like white supremacy sees white people as a default patriarchy sees men as a default not just in representation but in like opinions as well so if and that's how you come up with things like mansplaining with men explaining things to women that we already know and it's like Men do not have to, like, explain everything. And men's opinions do not have to be, like, the last word on things. Mm, Let that marinate. That's what the patriarchy does. And then, in turn, it encourages these nice guys who already believe that, you know, like I said, sex is a um, basic universal right for men. And that they're entitled to a relationship and that they just need to, like, make this... Like meet this list of requirements to get this relationship. Patriarchy is basically saying like, yes, because you are the standard. You are the default. So the world should revolve around you. And patriarchy is creating like little mini narcissists roaming around our society. Yeah. And as we always say, 
it's not always very, um, very obvious. Like no one is like actually, I mean, there are people on Reddit that are walking around like saying like, well, this is just my right and blah, blah, blah. Like it's so, it's so micro. And so like, you don't even think about it because mm-hmm. it's so ingrained in society. It's why it's the same reason why white people can't process like white privilege. Yeah, well, when we have these extreme examples, like when we were talking about Elliot Rogers earlier and the incels, people who benefit from those things or even passively participate in those things, they automatically want to separate themselves from them. Like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that because yeah. I'm not doing this. I'm not calling like jocks chads and attractive women Stacys, and I'm not mowing down like people on sidewalks. I'm not like that. I just think that women are like playing a game with us and that i am like doing all the right things so i should be like rewarded with a relationship and if you step back and think well no just because you're not actively like violent against women or you're actively participating in the system doesn't mean you aren't passively benefiting and it doesn't mean that you're any less because you are just, like, saying the same rhetoric, but in a nicer tone. Right. Like, white people that don't say the N-word, but they're, like, not racist. Yeah, or they're, like, <laughs> I have a black friend. Yeah. And it's, like, <sighs> It's not the same thing. Anyway. Like, you <sighs> are a racist, and you are a misogynist. Yeah. So, and the reason why we're talking about this is because really what needs to happen to these men who experience, like, all of this stuff that happens and they can't like quite figure out why women are not digging them. And we kind of touched on the, you know, the psychological part of it, the emotional, the physiology of it. But really like men, these guys just need therapy <laughs> like to process their shit. They really do. And they need a society that says it's okay for men to have more emotions than anger and horniness. Yeah. It's okay for you to feel sad. It's okay for you not to know what to do with your life. It's okay to, like, feel lost. It's okay to feel the same range of emotions that women do. It doesn't make you any weaker or, quote-unquote, less of a man. I hate that phrase. Yeah. I hate it. But anyway, it doesn't, like, take away from any of your gender identity to figure out your shit Mm-hmm. And to go to therapy, it doesn't take away from any sign of strength that yeah. you think you need to have mm-hmm. to have a outside perspective tell you, well, this is what you're this is what you're doing wrong, and why are you thinking the way that you do, and why are you reacting the way that you do? Like, can you dig a little bit deeper into like your reactions and your thoughts? Yeah, because women like, and I hate the whole like strong women thing to a certain extent. Because they always call us strong when we work through emotions that hurt us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're so strong. Like, you're so, like, powerful. And, like, things that... on. Yeah, and, like, things that, like, are supposed to hurt us and, and, I guess, make us cower into a corner. Like, when we don't, like, do that, somehow we're strong. And it's almost in the same vein as when we're talking about men. Like, when you, when you work through your emotions, I guess, like, you're being strong... And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with feeling like sad that so-and-so rejected you. But don't internalize that and be like, well, women just don't know what they want. Because that's Mm -hmm. damaging. Because you, 
walk around and you take that with you to the next relationship that you're in. Yeah, you go into life with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. And expecting the worst from everyone. And if you expect that, then you tend to get the worst from everyone because you're already coming off as an entitled douchebag. Mm. Entitled douchebags. Douchebaggery. A douche canoe. A douche That says my favorite. <laughs> um, Thank you so much, coworker from 2018. Oh, yeah. That's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. So, like, these emotional traumas that they go through from the incels, like, all that stuff, like. What can we do as women to kind of not fix people? Like, we're not talking about people who, like, have this nice guy syndrome. But, like, what can we do for, like, just men in general? Like, your brothers and your Mm -hmm. relatives or your friends. So, I think it's very important for us as um, women of color who have communities with people of color Mm -hmm. to normalize therapy and normalize talking about your emotions without them turning into violence or without the need to show strength. I think because we deal with sexism and racism all the time, we feel like we need to present a strong front to everyone, including like our loved ones. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. I think it's even better if you allow yourself to become more vulnerable with people that you love and trust. Yeah. And that's the thing we need to try and remember that when we're building these relationships, we are building trust. Like, you're not going to have any type of, you know, fostered relationship if you don't build trust in not only the people that surround you, but your potential romantic partners as well. Like, when you go into these new relationship, nice guys and nice girls or whatever, you know, go into it kind of open to the fact that like this might suck or this might not be good or this might be amazing and it might hurt me like Mm -hmm. you kind of have to just trust the process almost yeah if you are so concerned with a checklist and with this idea of being a nice guy or a nice girl then you're coming into any potential relationship with a facade which means you're coming into it with a lie you're being fake as fuck bitch Mm mm-hmm (laughs) And you can't have a real lasting relationship under the premise of a lie. Yeah. Let it marinate. This is dating hell. We're simmering. We're burning hot. We're in the bad place. We are. Because it sucks. Because there's no emotional accountability. Nope. (laughs) And what that means is, like, you're not, like, getting real with your emotions and being like, you know what? Am I being shitty right now? Or am I, you know... That's probably another very frustrating aspect of nice guys is they avoid any emotional accountability because all the blame can be shifted on someone else. They're Mm -hmm. shifted on women or these bitches or, you know, they think they have all the power just because they they have a tight hole between their legs. It's like, my God, what what is your role in all of this? Yeah. Did you ever look to yourself? Yeah. Look to yourself. Because, I mean, no one wants to, like look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I was a little fucked up in this moment. Or like, maybe no one did anything wrong and it just wasn't going to work out. Maybe. So. But it doesn't help if you are constantly blaming an entire group of people. Yeah. So as we like say in tongue in cheek, like, man ain't shit or whatever. Like, know that that is 
like not real. I mean, obviously, like people people the, suck. Yeah, the patriarchy made men not shit, but you know, <laughs> that's just how it is. Okay. <sighs> Ready to move into the fun stuff? Yeah. All right. Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Disco stick? Yep. Ah, fuck. (laughs) Okay. So, in Dating Hell, um, we wanted to talk about um, some disaster dates. Yes. All right. So, I'll start. Okay. I'll start with my hoe days back in South Carolina. South Carolina. South Cackalacky. And... I was, like, I definitely didn't want a relationship at the time. I was just, like, hopping on dicks. Mm-hmm. And I happened to hop on one dick okay. of a single dad, which there's nothing wrong with single dads or, like, fucking single dads. But I was very clearly there to have sex. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to talk about his kids. So I was like, eh, let's not do that. You're wasting my time. Mm. And... <laughs> So then he took me to this room that was just full of porcelain dolls. And I was like, well, shit, I already drove an hour to get here. So I had, like, the shortest, creepiest sex in a room full of porcelain dolls staring at me. That is weird. Were they surround? I've always wanted to ask you, were they surrounding you or they were just on a shelf? Uh, They were surrounding. So they were, like, on the wall opposite me and then the wall immediately by the door. Maybe that was his way of, like, fucking with an audience without, like, fucking in public. Oh, my God. Just fuck it in a theater. Because was it, like, in his room? I don't know what room that was. Okay, so it was just, like, the secret, like, fucking room. It was just a room that he put me in. Interesting. And I wish I could remember his name. It was something dumb. What if it was a horror movie and the you that, like was there at the time is actually inside of a doll right now and i have like this shell of a sosa oh that sounds like black mirror listen this is dating hell and disaster dates what if you've been in a porcelain doll this whole time who are you i don't know (laughs) annabelle you are annabelle okay so i wasn't like actively having sex with this story but i feel like this is a story that needs to be shared because we've all broken a dick at least once in our life. Don't look at me like that. Oh, for the sake of this, yeah. Okay, so I was young and inexperienced and I probably had only... In the same week, I touched my first dick mm-hmm. and I like was giving like a hand job for the first time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. So... I was in PE, as you do, and it was South Carolina, so we just dressed out and we didn't actually do anything in PE in high school. So this boyfriend at the time, he's made an appearance before, Time Master. Mm-hmm. Um, I proceeded to try and, like, you know, touch it. Yeah. <laughs> and As you do in South Carolina. I know. And so we were trying to be coy, and what happened was my friend at the time, we'll call her Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> Big Red was hip to the fact that I was trying to jerk off my boyfriend in PE. And so I was trying to play it off. 
And so I, for whatever reason, took my hand out of his pants. I know. I know. Just already not playing cool. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm lame. Mm. And she was saying, she said something to me. She said, um, you know, you look like you have your hands full. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh my God, what's that? And so like, I didn't mean to slam my hand down on this man's dick, but I did. And so I knew that I hurt something when he like rolled on the floor. (laughs) He rolled on the floor Said nothing. And I guess if you're a guy, you understand what it's like to be hit in the dick. And I swear to you, I really don't think I hit him that hard. Don't laugh at me. Was he semi-erect? He was He was hard as shit. Oh. So I oh. hit him in his hard dick in PE class, sophomore year of high school. Oh, God. Yes, I did. All that blood there, too? Like Yeah, he was not feeling. So he went away. And he came back and he was like, I think you broke my dick. And I was like, what do you mean? Very extreme. Listen, he was in pain and like it was like tender to the touch. Not only that, like you could tell because I touched it again afterwards. (laughs) And did it just like shrivel away? It was shriveled away, but like you could tell like the muscle was kind of like turned like in a way that it wasn't before. So I might have actually broken his dick. Yeah. Dating I, hell. Oh, Lord. I know. That's terrible. I was young. I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling and, free. And dicks are weird. Um, And I do want to pivot on a good note. So what What was like the best date that you went on? Oh. Um. So I went on a really good date. Um. Probably like a few months after I got to Boston, I broke up with Jailbird. Mm -hmm. And I went out with this guy. um, He's also a boomerang. Mm -hmm. Boomerang too. (laughs) Okay. And we went out to a local sandwich shop and we basically closed the place down. Like we were there for hours. And they were like, yeah, we're going to close in a few minutes. So you got to go. And taking you out. Yeah. And we walked to the train station together, and my awkward ass, I was like, oh, how do millennials end dates? Like, do they, like, shake hands? Do they high five? Do they hug? And he's like, we can kiss. And I was like, oh, if you want to. So we, like, kissed, and it started snowing. Oh, kissed in the snow. We kissed in the snow. Oh. So that was a really good date. That was so sweet. He was really fun. Did it snow in hell? It, I mean, hell slushed over because it definitely didn't freeze. Oh, cute. Okay. Um, you already know the story, obviously, because it was like just it was so sweet. I think everyone should experience like a sweet date moment. Mm-hmm. But um, what do we call him? Game of the Thrones. Game. Yeah, the game. So the game and I did. I always already tell the story on the podcast. I don't think so. Okay, so. The game and I met on Tinder. Yeah, we met on Tinder. And I wasn't fucking with Tinder like that. I was just like, whatever. Like, we'll just see. Like, I go through periods where I'll, like, delete the fucking app. And then I'll de- I'll bring it back. And then I'll declare it to you. And I'll be like, I'm going to try this again. And you'll be like, you can do it. And I'll be like, I don't want to, mom. 
Listen, we've all gone through these periods with these dating apps. It fucking sucks. So anyway, I I meet up with Game and we have like a really good conversation. I go to my friend's wedding in South Carolina and I come back and I have like a date penciled in the books. And that's the thing that I love about like dating up here in the city is that like you have these experiences that kind of feel like serendipitous sometimes and sometimes they're like, oh, it's like a movie or a weird like romantic comedy or whatever. And um, so we finally like meet at our date and we go and get boba tea, which I love boba tea. Mm -hmm. And we go to this restaurant and we have a good time and like we talk and he tells me how gorgeous I am. And I'm like, bitch, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I told him in our initial chats that um, we could watch Game of Thrones on my tablet. Um. And I didn't want to bring him back to the house, so we went to Boston Common, and we sat on a park bench and was watching like one of the final season or final episodes of Game of Thrones, and we like start making out on a park bench. Aww. And like it was like so cute, so cute and nerdy. Yeah, it was, and I was just like, this is so just romantic. That, that's very rom com. Isn't it, though? And that's why it's, like, my favorite date story. Like, it was kind of perfect. Because he kind of, like, turned, and then I turned, and, like, he leaned in, and he, like, grabbed my face. I was like, oh. And, like, he kissed me, and I was like, you're a good kisser. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute. And then we, like, turned and tried to watch Game of Thrones, and then, like, we just kept kissing. Like, we Aww. would stop and be like, we want to do that again. <laughs> it was so cute. It sounds like, yeah, it definitely sounds like a high school rom-com too, like. I know. And the reason why I say this is like, okay, we talked about like fuckboys and nice guys and like all this like insidious like abuse type shit. And I feel like everyone deserves a moment where you go on a date and it just isn't organic. Like, wasn't your nice date story like organic and fun? Yeah, like we arranged it through bumble and like we had a good chat on bumble and mm-hmm. like when we actually got together like the vibe was there i didn't feel like i had to force anything mm-hmm. and yeah everybody should experience like the natural chemistry without any pressure and that's my point and that's why i wanted to talk about date stories because i was like nice guys or whatever who have like these traumas that they have to work through like they miss out on that, like, just let it happen. If the, she's not feeling you, drop it. Go on to the next one. Like, there's another date to be had. Mm-hmm. And everyone should just, like, encounter a nice sweet moment in the park or in the snow. Okay? okay. You two can have your rom-com moment if you don't stick to a fucking script. <laughs> if you just let it happen organically and treat people as people and not, like, objects. <laughs> okay? okay all right so dating hell that's it let's crawl out of hell let's crawl into bed into bed or the medium place Mm, with my vibrators that i have three of them i don't think you'd have that in the medium place Mm. because everything's mediocre there oh so i would have just like this flaccid dildo um you would have like one vibrator but it's always set to the lowest setting oh my god (laughs) 
First of all, I'm too in tune with my vibrator. Like that infuriates me. Or like, oh my gosh, like I have this moment where you can, you you know how you can recharge your vibrators. Mm -hmm. And so like you're masturbating and like your vibrator dies. Like right in the medium place. When you're like right there and it dies and you're like, keep going. Like, you have the best vibrator, but it always dies, like, when you're almost right there. Oh, my god, That's gosh. medium place shit. That's medium place shit right there. So, oh. we've gone straight from hell to medium place. Yep. <laughs> Stream the good place on Hulu right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I want to talk about it with everyone. Right. Okay. But anyway... <laughs> Um, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of Unpacked Filth, where we um, unpack what's wrong with us and subsequently what's wrong with society. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram at Unpacked Filth, and you can find your co-host in yeah. the bio, because mm-hmm. I'm not spelling out my bi- my Instagram handle. Right. You can email us with any questions at unpackedfilth at gmail.com, and if we get enough questions, then we'll either answer them in a live or in an episode talk to you guys later we'll talk to you later bye